0: my goodness let me say that again with the microphone on thank you walter oh my goodness how many of you i'm just curious because there's a generational difference here before these kids were born that happened how many of you know what that was all about okay a huge majority almost everyone jim jones was a cult leader he created his own following, his own religion, and established Jonestown in Guyana, South, Afri- South America. And when it was discovered what was going on there, there was an investigation. Of a, a congressman went, carried news reporters with him, and that sparked a response that you see And this is where we get the phrase, don't drink the Kool-Aid, because they did, and 900 people died. Now, I'm in the middle of a series about passion for Christ. No reserves, no retreats, and no regrets. And the stories that I've told you leading up to this have been inspiring stories about people who were willing to give their lives for Christ giving their lives in service, not in suicide. And I have, I have to be true to the Scriptures, and we have come to 2 Peter chapter 2, and I'm speaking to you today about the preservation of, your, of our passion, the protection of our passion. You see, it's, it's almost strange, but we finished up chapter 1, Uh, reading about the Scripture and the trustworthiness of the Scripture. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Now, there's a chapter break there, but you understand that that chapter break was not in Peter's letter. Joey didn't say this is the end of chapter 1, and now I'm going to start in chapter 2. It was a continuous passage. And Jody, it's just ironic to me that he's talking about the Word of God, and he says, we're not motivated by myths that were created by man, but rather it is the Word of God written by the power of the Holy Spirit of God. But Mike immediately, he says, but, but, and that's, that's a big word right there, uh, but false prophets also arose among the people. Now, the Spirit of God moved, and prophets spoke by the power of the Spirit of God. But, Todd, there were also false prophets that came in. And then he says, Just as there will be false teachers among you. You see, just because a preacher is passionate or popular, that does not make him right. We have to recognize error and false teaching when we hear it. Otherwise, the devil will destroy our passion for Christ. We must not only have a passion for Christ, we need to protect our passion from false teachers and from false religion. The Bible, I told my small group this morning that I was going to emphasize this, the Bible is our all-sufficient rule for faith and practice. Do you believe that? If you believe that the Bible is the Word of God and you understand why it was written, then you will understand that the Bible is all we need. The Bible plus nothing, minus nothing is what we need for everything we do, for all faith, and for all of our practices. So in that chapter 2 of Second Peter, he gives us some warnings, things that we need to look out for and be aware of in order to protect our passion so that our passion lasts and it serves to the glory of God. First of all, He says that we need protection of our passion because of the destroyers. You see, there are agents of Satan who would love to get you to quit. They want you to quit church. They want you to quit believing. They want you to quit witnessing. They want you to follow them and to glorify them rather than glorifying God. Tony, real passion for Christ glorifies God all the time and the devil gets mad when you live your life with passion for christ and everything you do is based upon the desire to glorify god it makes satan mad and he will do everything he can to stop you to kill your passion and he has plenty of agents on his side they are the destroyers the bible says second peter chapter two says but false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly, notice that, bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. I want you to think about the words in that verse, and notice, first of all, I'm going to share with you three characteristics, by the way, of false teachers. Three characteristics of false teachers. Number one is deception. Deception. Notice the words. False prophets also arose among the people, and there will also be false teachers among you. They're not real. Now, some of the false teachers in Christ's day and in Peter's day were the Pharisees. Jesus said of the Pharisees, do what they say, but don't do what they do because they don't do what they say. They are false. They're hypocrites. Be careful about those who are false leaders and they are not genuine. Notice also the the word secretly. They subvertively, they secretly, they bring in these destructive heresies. They bring them in without telling you the truth. They're secret in what they're doing. They're not honest. They are, they're very talented at getting, manipulating you and using you. They secretly bring in. And notice that it says of these that they are destructive heresies. They are not for your good they are not helpful, they are not beneficial, they are destructive heresies. I, Jim Jones is a pretty good example of that, uh, when they drank the Kool-Aid. What was it he said? We're, we're not committing suicide, this is just a revolution. Yeah, it was revolutionary, all right. Uh, drink the Kool-Aid and give up your life for the glory of Jim Jones. You, you see, it was a destructive heresy uh, and very deceitful that's the the key to this very deceitful even denying the master who bought them one of the characteristics of this deception is that it results in denying the truth and denying christ and the power of god be very careful When someone is trying to make a name for themselves instead of glorifying the name of God, do not allow someone's passion for heretical teaching to destroy your passion for the truth. Are false teachers charismatic? By that I mean they're able to raise a crowd and get people excited. I'm not talking about a denomination or a system of doctrine. I'm talking about they can stir people up. Be very careful. Just because they're passionate doesn't mean that what they're telling you is the truth. You better know the Bible. Not only that, notice that it says they will be popular. Verse 2 says, And many will follow their sensuality. That, By the way, that term sensuality uh, refers to their their fleshly desires and because of them the way of truth will be spoken evil of will be blasphemed be careful kids be careful of the internet because there's every kind of kook and idiot out there who wants to deceive you and if you're searching for something on the internet by the way Senior adults, I'm speaking to you too. Because some of you have become very gullible about what you read on the Internet. Please don't think, Melody, just because it's on the Internet, it's got to be true, right? Uh Uh-uh. Be careful about what you're reading and who you're following. Find out the source or just don't look. Many will follow their sensuality, their selfishness. Just because somebody is popular doesn't mean they're telling you the truth. Not only do you see their their deception, um, but also the second characteristic is exploitation. Exploitation. That is, they're using you. They're exploiting you. Notice that he says in verse 3, And in their greed they will exploit you using their false teaching, their false words. Listen, that, that term, that idea, false words and false teaching. Listen to me, the only way you will recognize false teaching is to read the Bible for yourself, to study the Word of God, and to know the bible otherwise you can fall for anything from anybody if they make it sound good if they make it sound attractive if they tell good stories and they get you excited you will fall for it if you don't know the bible you know one of the things that we did in kenya i've got a missionary here and 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 i'm proud of what they're doing um You know, one of the things we did, Jody, in the work in Kenya, uh, we were introducing something that was relatively new there, and we were surrounded by all different sorts of religion, and people wanted to know, what are these Baptists? What are these Baptists? And I came up, Dwayne, with the phrase, Baptists are known for the Bible. Because other people were out there in their different costumes and raving and ranting, Don, they were talking about dreams and visions and healings and all kinds of things, and praise God, God is a healer, but He does it to His glory when He does it, not to some man's glory. So all these people were spouting all these things, and I said, Baptists are known for the Bible. Well, guess what? This is not Africa. This is the United States. The same thing needs to be true that we are known for the Bible. That we teach and we preach the Word of God. And if you don't know your Bible, if you don't know the truth, you will not recognize error when you hear it. And so, three characteristics. Their deception, their exploitation, and then their destruction. The Bible says... But false prophets arose among the people, just as there will be among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Master who bought them. But notice this, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. Now, that term, swift destruction, Charles, that doesn't mean that it's going to happen immediately when they start teaching the truth. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? But that's not what it means. Nancy, it means when it comes... It will be unavoidable, unavoidable, it will be destruction. They will get what they deserve when God's time comes. They will not be able to escape it. It will be, as the Bible says about Babylon, that falls in a day. It will be swift destruction. It says about them, in their greed they will exploit you with false words their condemnation from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. Just because those false prophets are still alive and still preaching, and Jenny, they haven't been destroyed yet, does not mean that God doesn't know, that God doesn't care, and that He will not take care of them. He will do so. They stand condemned and they will be destroyed. Don't go with them. in what they're sharing sounds good. It will lead to the destruction, the end of your passion for Christ. Listen to me. As soon as you become passionate about some individual, some man or woman that you're following, You have just undercut your passion for Jesus Christ. And you need to protect your passion and remain passionate for Jesus Christ. Well, he warns us about the destroyers. He also warns us in chapter 2 about the dangers. Not just the destroyers, but also the dangers. Now, that comes from uh, verses 10... Uh, Through actually verse 22 goes all the way to verse 22 but I want to just sum this up with a few verses I'm not going to try to preach the whole rest of the chapter and read all of the verses but I want you to notice that he speaks first of all about words now I, I need to make this clear because I'm changing direction just a little bit here in order to sum this up I'm not going to talk about the dangers so much from them as the dangers for you and me. Now tonight, Lord willing, the Lord doesn't come, I'll be speaking about the dangers that others have for us and the traps they set to get you to not serve God, to make you feel disapproved and disabled, to kill your passion. That's tonight's message and that's a free advertisement and no charge but what what i want to talk about this morning are the three traps that we can fall into that will lead to the destruction of our passion and the passion of others around us first of all words words it says those who despise authority that is key They despise authority. They are bold and they are willful. They do not tremble as they blaspheme the glorious ones, but these, again, blaspheming about matters of which they are ignorant. You know, our mouths get us in trouble. Well, I need Don here. I hadn't heard an amen all morning. Our mouths get us in trouble. The Bible says, if we could control our tongues, Kelly's grinning. I'm not sure why, but... If we could just control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. Get this, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. A tiny spark can set a great forest on fire, and among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness, corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself our words get us in trouble and it's hard to control our tongue we cause division we cause strife we cause hurt feelings we set fires by running our tongues and not keeping our mouth shut Ah, there's an old story about the evangelist who was preaching a revival and he was preaching about this Some lady came forward during the invitation and said, Preacher, I feel convicted, and I just want to lay, I want to give my tongue to the Lord and let Him control my tongue. I want to sanctify my tongue. I want to lay it on the altar, all of it on the altar. And the brother said, Our altar is only six feet long, but you get as much on there as you can. we have trouble with our tongues? Do you realize how easy it can be for you and for me to destroy somebody else's passion for Christ with our tongue and with our speech? It's a dangerous instrument, and we need to protect their passion and protect our passion by controlling our words, by controlling our tongue the next word that he talks about is lust we need the second trap of the devil is our own fleshly desires our own lust verses 13 and 14 they count it pleasure to revel in the daytime partying during the daytime sensual they are blots and blemishes reveling in their deceptions While they feast with you. Get this, they have eyes full of adultery, insatiable for sin, and they entice unsteady souls. Now, there is in this the idea of just sexual, of sensual pleasure, of food and drink and party. Let's just have a good time. But there is also the mention of sexual sin in the bible there is more reference to sexual sin than there ever is to any other sin we don't dare speak about sex in church but god does and listen sex within marriage is a beautiful thing it's a picture of of the relationship we have with God the Father Himself. And sex within marriage is a beautiful thing. Our trouble is we become sinful when we make everything about sex. You think we don't do that? Just look at the advertisements on billboards, on TV, and everything else. Look at the programs on the idiot box. It's been a long time since I heard that word used about a TV, it's still true. And talk about subversive, about bringing things in secretly. Do you know what the devil is planning in our minds by the images that we see and by the stories that are told? Don't get me wrong, very clearly, sex within marriage is a beautiful thing, but Satan entices us to turn it into something dirty and defiant. Anybody here ever read Proverbs chapter 5? I am not going to read it today. It's just a little bit too explicit for me to read on a camera that's going to be recorded and to be played back by who knows who and how many times. I'm not going to read Proverbs chapter 5. But in case you've never read it, you probably ought to. It talks about being Satisfied with your wife and within marriage? My sweet wife, you didn't know I was going to tell this today. Can I go home with someone else? <laughs> My sweet wife was teaching school in Kenya, and she was giving a devotion to a junior, to a junior high class, mostly boys, some girls. She was giving a devotion and she had this thing one she was going to read the proverb of the day. You know what that means, right? It's the fifth, and so she was reading Proverbs 5. Pam, she had not looked to see what Proverbs 5 was about. She didn't think this thing through ahead of time. So she's standing, Gabby, in front of these junior high boys, and she's reading, and the longer she reads, the more she blushes, and Jonathan, I don't know if she, she wanted to stop, but how do you do that once you've started? By the time she got finished, she was as red as a beet, and Kim, all the boys, said, Mrs. Rayburn, that was interesting. <laughs> Sex is not dirty unless you make it dirty. Sex within marriage is a beautiful gift of God but we've turned it into something nasty, something reviling God. We've turned away from the truth. Don't fall into Satan's lust trap. Then the third trap of the devil is money. I know that you get tired of me talking about money, but... If I'm going to teach the Bible, Tim, I have to, because Jesus had a lot to say about money and our relationship with money. And understand, money itself is not evil, but the love of money is the root of all evil. It is, money can be a terrible slave driver and a terrible master. Listen, money was intended to serve you. You were never built to serve money. Jesus said you cannot worship God and worship money. You can't serve God and serve money. He says they're well trained in greed. They have wandered off the right road and followed the footsteps of Balaam, son of Baor, who loved to earn money, By doing wrong. But Balaam was stopped from his mad course when his donkey rebuked him with a human voice. Okay, practical application. If you love money, you may find yourself arguing with a donkey, and the donkey will be right. (laughs) Go figure. Don't fall into the greed trap. If your finances are serving you, praise God for His provision. But don't fall into the trap of you serving your finances. Well, the third thing. I've talked about the destroyers. I've talked about the dangers. But I also want to finish on a very positive note about deliverance. You say, will we ever survive all of this? 2 Peter 2, 9 says... The Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials. Listen, God can deliver us from Satan traps, and He can preserve our passion. Listen, your passion, your service, your fervor for God and His glory is important to Him. And God is on your side. He does not want you to fall. He does not want you to be deceived. He wants to protect you and deliver you from the traps of Satan. The Bible says that he destroyed the ancient world and saved Noah. Noah is the word to put in if you're... Boy, my teenagers don't have pens and they're not writing today. I'm terribly disappointed. Anyway. Hey, I had to say something to give people for time to write Noah, okay? He's destroyed he did not spare the ancient world but he preserved noah god knows carl how to destroy the wicked ones and not get us caught up in it you understand that he knows what's really going on and he makes no mistakes he cares about you and he wants to preserve you and preserve your passion he knows how to destroy the wicked but to preserve the righteous, just as he did with Noah. He destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, but he saved righteous Lot. Was, was Lot right in where he was living and what he was doing? I don't know, but God said he was a righteous man, and that the wickedness of Sodom and Gomorrah grieved him day after day, and God got Lot out before he rained fire and brimstone on Sodom and Gomorrah. God knows how to get you out of the mess you may be in with some of these false teachers, and He knows how to preserve us and to protect us from wrong, from evil, and from punishment that we do not deserve. He will, if you will allow Him, preserve your passion. He also, I've already read 2.9, that God will punish the wicked, but rescue the godly. Listen, Satan will do everything he can to destroy your passion. But God, but God can preserve your passion. Depend on Him. Listen, even in COVID, even in pandemic, even with everything that goes that's going on, God knows what He's doing. you believe that? God knows what He's doing, and He is in charge. Sometimes it seems like the inmates have taken over the asylum, but God is in charge. He knows what He's doing, and He can deliver you. He can preserve your passion. Our passion does not depend upon any man or any organization. Our passion comes from God Himself. We can serve Him, Rodney, with passion. No reserves, no retreats, and no regrets. I want to ask you this morning, how's your passion? You've served God in the past. Are you still on fire for Him now? Or would you say, I've cooled off? You might even... We we use an old Baptist term. I, I say it's a Baptist term, bud, because we say it, but we also do it. That old term is backsliding. How's your passion? Or would you have to admit... I'm not where I used to be. Wouldn't you like to be there again? Wouldn't you like to be on fire for God? Listen, I can't give you that, but Jesus can. All you have to do is come to Him and admit, I'm not as passionate as I used to be and I want my passion back. Maybe all this that's been going on has poured cold water on you. Let Jesus stir you up. Let His Spirit fill you and move you. Commit your life to Him anew. Listen, I believe in practical invitations. I've preached through this whole thing about avoiding the death of your passion. If that's happened, you need to do something about it. And that's what this invitation, that's what this message is all about. Will you come back Will you dedicate your life again? Will you ask the Lord to restore your passion so that you can serve Him? No reserves, no retreats, and no regrets. I want us to stand together. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. I'm going to issue the invitation not just for those present in the room, but also for those on live stream Right there where you are, in front of the TV, in your living room, office, wherever you are, you realize that you can answer the invitation. You don't have to be here to make that commitment to God. You can kneel before God right where you are, make your life right with Him. Will you do that right now, wherever you are? You can... Answer that invitation where you stand in this auditorium. But listen, if you need to come and speak with me, you want me to pray with you here at the altar, I'm willing to do that. I'll turn the microphone off. We'll kneel and we'll pray. If you do not know Jesus Christ as Savior, listen, He is passionate for you. He died for your saving. And He's asking you right now, to come and repent of your sins and trust Him for salvation. Are you following Him? Maybe you've lost your passion to the point that you've not been baptized, you're not a member of this church. Listen, follow the voice of God. Obey His call and do what He wants you to do.